0: Welcome back to Kansas City's Marketing and Advertising Podcast. I'm your host again, David English, and I have with me today a dear, dear friend. Um, I had a chance to get to know her a little bit when we were at Rockhurst together um, during our executive MBA classes and have been fortunate enough to stay in touch after graduation. We've sought out each other's advice a time or two. We have uh, attended an occasional happy hour a time or two, and we've watched each other's respective families grow, which has been fun. Uh, her name is Emily Fig, and she is at C2FO, and we're gonna get into what she does there, what she's done prior to that, and um, really give you guys an idea of branding and the perception of a brand and how it's perceived to maybe customers or consumers. I get a lot of requests and comments about how am I seen, how do I wanna be seen by my customers, what's the best way to market myself, which, is a never-ending conversation. Um, I thought Emily would be the perfect person to come in because to me, she is this perfect mixture of being passionate about the people she works for and with, as well as being very competitive in the work work situation, the work field. She is she's tenacious, even though she'll probably laugh more than she'll um, lead on to believe. She she's it's a great combination, and I think she's just a stellar individual. Um, before we dive in and start asking her questions, I haven't done it recently. So I want to remind people why we're here, why we started the podcast up. Um, I am the vice president at Adrend Outdoor Advertising here in Kansas City. We have roughly 200 boards in the area and we compete against these mammoth organizations, these monster companies day in and day out that are simply designed to print money and realize that you know, while we have found our competitive balance and competitive advantage, um, it, this podcast can be a great opportunity to allow other locally owned marketing and advertising companies to do the same yeah, be a platform be a way to reach out and say here's why you should work with us or here's the best way to run your business and I hope that's what we can get accomplished I think Emily today is a great resource to take those steps to do that but um, that said Emily how are you doing great to have you here
1: thank you David I'm super excited about this today
0: how's everything going in your in your life working and, and whatnot?
1: Work, family, personal, everything is fantastic.
0: Great. Um, real quick, you can do it better than I do. Um, give the listeners kind of background, your background, where are you from, what are you doing here, um, where have you been, um, just so they know who you're listening to here.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So I am a Kansas City native. Grew up here, went to the University of Missouri, Columbia, went through the journalism program, and ever since I have been in the advertising and marketing field. I spent a little bit of time in London working for some agencies that worked on Budweiser and a couple other clients, and then I shifted gears and focused on marketing for an an agency called Glen Devins here in Kansas City. They focus on senior living communities. So I spent a good amount of my career working with customers who had to develop communities and fill those communities with happy people. So it's figuring out how do you brand a completely new development and then market everything about it. And then I switched gears and went to um, much more of a digital focus where I worked at VML and I was in client services there and worked with um, Gatorade, Revlon, Allstate, Assurant Health, all kinds of different companies and major, many,
0: organizations. Yeah,
1: major organizations in a lot of different verticals to help them promote their product, make sure people understood why they were important and valuable in their lives and find the right voices for that. And then since there, I have left and now I'm at C2FO, which is a financial services startup here in Kansas City. And what we do is we help businesses optimize their cash. Whether they are a supplier to a global 2000 company, if they want to accelerate their accounts receivable to get paid early, we help them do that or conversely if they are one of those global 2000 companies if they want to earn a better return on their cash we help them with that as well.
0: Wonderful. And what do you do here for C2FO?
1: So I am the marketing communications director yep. and I'm responsible for our global marketing position to attract global 2000 companies to see the value of C2FO and ultimately end up using us as a platform
0: right in a variety of ways i mean either finances in or finances out correct yes yeah
1: yes actually yeah
0: um so what i get a lot of as far as feedback from the podcast and the reason why i want you on wanted you on here today is customers who are listeners excuse me who are the business owners and they inquire a lot about you know how do I grow my business? You know what, What's the best way for my business to be perceived from a marketing standpoint? Um, you've done a lot of branding. I mean, is there one just fail-safe solution, or is it just, again, a never-ending conversation?
1: Yeah, so I would say there's definitely no silver bullet. There's right. not one thing you can do that will guarantee you have leads coming in the door or you're closing sales. That's That's impossible. What is required... Not, not just in today's day and age, but this is historical, like this has never changed. You need a variety of ways to get in front of your audience so that you can hit them with the right message at the right time. You're looking for points of, of receptivity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means you have to look at where your customers actively participate, whether that's in online communities, whether that is in an outdoor space, whether it's you know TV, whatever it is you're looking for, where do those people naturally go in their everyday lifestyle? And when they're in that natural habitat, if you will, what what's the best way to communicate that message that stands out? So it's a little bit of a chameleon play that you have to do as, with as far as like fitting into their daily life but at the same time whatever you're serving them needs to be arresting as far as the communication vehicle itself.
0: Yeah, and, and, and I found the consistency is a big part of it. I mean, would you and, and consistency and, you know, staying true to a specific message maybe throughout a period of time.
1: 100%. And
0: with so many different ways that people can be reached these days. I mean, it's not anymore. It's not radio, TV, outdoor, and print. I mean, there it's it's uh, unlimited, right? I mean, yes. how is that decision made? Are you deciding, okay, this is what we're going to do and we're going to stick to it? Or, I mean, I, I see a lot of customers who just close their eyes, throw a dart and say, okay, today we're going to do Facebook. Today we're going yeah. to buy a radio ad. I mean, what what's that plan look like?
1: Honestly, it's a little bit of an 80-20 rule and the 80% is made up of these are the places I know my audience is going to be.
0: Where they're at, how I can reach them the easiest. Right, right. correct.
1: And, that, and where they're gonna be and, and to what you just said, the easiest, like, like some small business owners, some small and nimble marketing teams, they only have a certain amount of bandwidth, so mm-hmm. they, have to be, they have to be able to deliver on those elements.
0: Well, that makes sense, I mean, and to take that into a sales perspective, I mean, businesses can do well if they just pick the low-hanging fruit constantly. Correct. I mean, yeah. you don't have to be, I mean, creative, being creative is great. And I, I definitely encourage you. You don't have to be super great. Pick the low-hanging fruit. Find them where they are and, yes. and just go with it.
1: Find the low-hanging fruit, the ones that will deliver for you. Mm. But the 20% needs to be a testing approach. Because that low-hanging fruit is only going to get you so far. Mm. And you're going to cap out. So you use 20% of your resources, 20% of your manpower to figure out what are those elements that I think could have good potential for us, and let's put some effort behind those.
0: Is that a uh, is that testing that twenty percent testing group? Is that something different than you've ever done before, in, in as far as marketing, or is that just a maybe it's um, more money into a specific budget, or does it just depend?
1: Um, honestly, I think it depends on whose money you're talking about. Okay. Um, I would tell you that. Um, when I was at, in previous engagements, when you are talking to your own clients and helping them figure out where the best places to be are, I mean, I was in an agency perspective where I had hundreds of clients and thousands of data points to say, look, this is absolutely where you need to be. Be here. And then you test the creative messages. So Love the it. placements are appropriate. The messages change. Yeah. Being here at a startup, um, that shifts a little bit because we have a small but mighty nimble team here and we don't always know where the best places to go are because we have a global reach and there's a handful of us doing that. So we will test both placements and messages here at C2FO.
0: Do you test them together or do do you test one and not the other?
1: So we always start with placement first and test the core brand message to see if it resonates. And if we get traction from that placement, then we start testing messages. Okay, yeah,
0: makes sense. Um, let's talk a little bit about consistency of the message. I mean, the if I you get online and you, you look at C two F O and you look at some of the marketing they've done, everything seems to be. While the message can change, mm-hmm. um, there is some level of consistency there as far as branding. Is that done so that people? Continually know who you are or to help build that brand of, of who's because it's a startup, you want people to consistently know who, who the organization is.
1: Yeah, so it's we definitely want people to know who we are, right? But when you think about it, there are maybe just a handful of things that really, really resonate with how we deliver value to any customer, right? So there might be one core thing that you want to communicate. Or there could be like three variables that you want to communicate. And you have to reinforce those over and over and over again because you don't know when someone is going to be receptive to that message. Right. They might need cash flow on one day and not need it on another. But if you keep that message in front of them, when the time is right, they will be ready to come and talk to you.
0: Yep. Um So you've worked on the agency side, right? And you've worked in the developmental side here, like a C2FO. as um, for a business owner that's listening. I'm shifting gears a little bit on you, but um, when's the right time to bring an agency in and say, listen, I, I can't do it all, I don't know the answers, I don't know what I'm doing, versus, you know, trotting through the mud and, and doing it on your own. I mean, when can an agency really bring value?
1: Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a little bit of a, a bandwidth, manpower, Element that goes into it. Yeah. Um, there's also a cost-benefit analysis that goes into it because agencies cost money. Um, but having an on like an FTE or even a part-time resource, that costs money too. So to be honest with you, I really feel like you decide to go with an agency when you need subject matter expertise and you know it's going to deliver for you. Or you have a you you don't have any of those skill sets and you have to go elsewhere go um, there's I mean there's a like here at c2FO when we decide that we need to go externally it's we, we don't have the skill sets in-house we don't have a video design team to put together an amazing piece that we can put on the website and um, play at conferences and things like that so we have to outsource that but we do have copywriters in-house that can do certain things. Um, but when we need something that is um, beyond our level of expertise, that's when we start looking at agencies. Like we need a super, super creative message and we need a lot of different brains thinking about it that yep. specialize in that. Because if, I mean, in finance you have finance thinkers who don't think the same way as a creative person do does. does. And a creative person Absolutely, thinks differently, but they are able to morph what they output into something that resonates for a financial person. That makes sense. So you have, I mean, it is a little bit of a. Do you have the skill set, and if you need to communicate your brand so that people know about you, so that they will buy your products or services, you have to find ways to do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there that you said. I mean, the the different in my mi- difference in mindsets, I think, is is probably where I'll start because. Um, a business owner is making a big mistake if they take someone who, you know, they're in their sales or they're their finance guy or gal and say, "Hey, can you run marketing for me?" Because again, the brain works differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really, if I hear you correctly, it's about having manpower in in-house. And if you if you have it, use it. If you don't, either hire it or bring someone else in as, like from an agency standpoint. And then right. You've got your cost analysis, is it cheaper to hire someone or hire the agency?
1: Exactly, um, yeah.
0: Is there a certain uh, size of business, a certain um, revenue that is generated that you know agencies like, don't like, would want to work with, or is it really about um, creativity in the message?
1: I would tell you it's a, it's a little bit of a combination of both. Yeah. So for larger global agencies, there there is a size that they're going to want to go after because they are looking there's a break even point for them um but that being said um a lot of times agencies are looking for creative challenges that's what gets them excited and that's what helps them create really really good work that drives results yeah so there are some instances where like i personally have looked for I don't want to say the underdog, but I've looked for the people that deliver really, really awesome work because I know they're hungry for a creative challenge. It doesn't matter what size my business is; they're willing to take it on because that's what they live for and thrive on. Um, so it's 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 a it's kind of like finding finding the right agency for you.
0: I would suggest, and I'm, I'm I guess I'm asking here, but interview multiple agencies if you're going to bring them in, bring one in. If you've gotten to that point where you decided, okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm growing too much, I, I, I need some help, I don't know what I'm doing, whatever the reason, interview multiple because each agency has a different feel, a different taste, a different mm-hmm. approach to the media world. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that right?
1: Yeah, we take a, like in every job I've ever had, we've always done a triple bid approach. Right. So you, just like you're having a plumber come to your house to remodel your bathroom, you get estimates from everybody, you want to make sure, does that person, do I want them in my house? Can I afford them? And are they credible and reliable? Do other people demonstrate they have good work? So it's the same thing with picking an agency. You have to work with these people. You have to talk with them all the time. Are you going to be happy talking to them? Do they deliver good stuff? And is it a good fit?
0: Right. No, that makes sense. And I think um, too often it is a difficult decision. And you're as a business owner, your, your approach, your ideas, you need to be able to communicate that very clearly to the agency Mm -hmm. and say, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Um, So they can put their best foot forward and say, you know, here's what you said you were thinking here. Here's where we, what we came up with. You have to have a plan. You have to have something. You can't just turn over and say, go, go, run. Yes.
1: Yes. And that is quite honestly, the most difficult part for a business or anybody that's client-side, if you will. yeah, It's how do I streamline specifically what I wanna communicate? Because in my mind, I've got 10 different values that I deliver to my customer, and then I've got 20 different objections that I hear that I wanna overcome. You can't put all of that into a marketing piece. A marketing piece has to communicate one unique, Statement mm. one simple message because that's all that's going to resonate with someone in their brain when they're driving by when they it be, When they're exposed to an ad Anything like that, so it's really as a as a business owner and as a marketer You have to think what is the most important thing that I want to communicate and make sure that my agency my creative team whoever it is understands that's the most important thing to communicate there, yes, there are variables of information they need to take into consideration, mm-hmm. but that helps put horse blinders on, and focus on this, and deliver upon this, and that's where that's where advertising and marketing messages get really, really good, when you have a single point of focus.
0: It's the focus. The horse blinders is a perfect analogy, in that, um, put them on, I mean, you, you can look the other direction later, but for right now, let's the, keep focused here, and really understand this is where as the business owner or or the marketing executive this is where we're going to go with this mm-hmm. and there's no var- there's no varying off that path when with a company like C2FO though when you have such a global reach and knowing that world views are different throughout you know every single country does your message change to appeal to that
1: yes the 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 very 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 high level core brand messages do not change because that's who we are as a philosophy the idea right 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 Um, what does change is depending on who we're trying to talk to and what stage they may be at in a sales cycle changes what we might communicate to them right so if I'm trying to get a business to partner with us and become a customer Have they heard about us? If they've never heard about us, then I'm communicating one particular thing to at least demonstrate that we can do something for them. I'm not trying to tell them how long it takes to implement or what it's gonna cost or what you have to do, anything like that. I just want them excited about the idea. Once you have them excited, then you start giving them a little bit more information to help them make a decision on, does it make sense for me to research this more and look into it? And then if they say, yeah, yeah, it sure does. I love what you're selling me here. Then the conversation becomes, okay, here's how it would work specifically for your business. So your message should vary based on what your audience knows about you, but then it should also vary based on where they're at. So the so in the financial services industry, what we go through here in the North America region is different from what Europe is experiencing with Brexit and government compliance on payment terms and things like that, which is completely different from the financial situation going on in China and also different from India. So each region has its own little niche of opportunities and challenges that you accommodate for. You're not reinventing your message, you're just adjusting it a little bit
0: to fit the, the people, the, the, the culture, the people, the, the area that you're in. Yeah. But the core message, the philosophy of, of, of your approach is the same. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I will take that, and someone from the sales side of the media world, which is where I've spent most of my time, I think that philosophy holds true both on the marketing and then the sales side also, as far as delivering the message and being consistent with it. Mm-hmm. The days of playing let's make a deal to get the sale done, it just—it's kind of gone by the wayside. Mm-hmm. It's really about the message, the content, the value I can bring to the customer. It's not about let's negotiate and let's figure. I mean, it, there's right. some of that, but it's yes. The consistently consistency holds true in mm-hmm. so many fa- facets of the business world mm-hmm. and marketing or just strategic plans, if you will. Which we could have another episode on that if we mm-hmm. want to, but
1: yeah. But I feel like in our business particularly, I mean, this this should be standard for anyone. Mm -hmm. What I am promising you now as a marketer, my company also has to deliver on when you become a customer. Right. So I have to be realistic and honest with what I'm communicating. Right. And I also have an obligation to my company to make sure we're fulfilling everything.
0: You're fulfilling everything the market. Because the worst thing, the worst case scenario for someone in the marketing world is... Potential customer, seen marketing pieces online or, you know, wherever it may be, mm-hmm. um, has created an idea of what the co- what the company is like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And after getting a chance to work with or potentially work with the company, it's nothing similar at all. Right. Culture's different. The attitude is different. The philosophy, the product is, I mean, congratulations, you got them in the door, mm-hmm. but you're really wasting everyone's time if, if everything isn't exactly consistent following that up.
1: Right. And that's that becomes more of like a a business challenge or a business demand. Mm-hmm. So your brand as a company needs to represent who your business is yeah. and appeal to your targets. Right. Um, but it is it is up to the organization the business to actually live and breathe that brand like Southwest Airlines is a perfect example. Yeah. They were a customer of mine when I worked at VML and uh, just the the experience, the personality you get from the the flight attendants, the the yeah. the men and women at the kiosk is exactly the same at corporate. They're they're happy they're stoked about where they work. They love it. Yeah. Um, there are brand standards that they just live, and that's culturally, that's how they've adapted. And, I mean, they're a perfect example of that.
0: Now, th- this is a perfect transition where I kind of wanted the conversation to go because when we were in class together, uh, I, I remember you and I went, went around in a few rounds, a time or two, and you would always come back to culture. And the culture of, the, of where you're at and really the culture of, of the company itself. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. I,
0: Why is it so important?
1: So to me, there, we spend almost all of our day at work or doing work. Right. Even Whether, at home, you're right. doing yep. Whether I'm in the office or not, I'm thinking about it. I'm I'm getting hit with emails and and text messages and calls and I, I just dedicate so much of my life to it as does so many other people. And so you got to enjoy what you do. Yeah. in order to be successful and in order to produce for anybody. And culture is is what helps you enjoy what you do. You can you can absolutely love what you do but hate the environment you're in and that's only going to That's only going to get you so far. You're going to hit a point where you're like, this doesn't make sense. But if you can have a culture within an organization that makes everyone who works there feel like their voice is important, their brain is important, what they contribute is valuable, and it's not in words, it's in actions, that lifts the – it's like the all – all boats rise with the tide. Yeah, everybody performs better. The experience your customers has is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, like my my other favorite example besides Southwest Airlines is Chick Fil A. God bless that place. I I would like everybody should go to customer service training at Chick Fil A because it doesn't matter what city I'm in, what time of day, everyone's friendly. They welcome me. Yep. The food's fantastic. I mean, it's fast food, but I've, I love waffle fries, and they're fantastic. But anyways, like, it's the experience you get, and, right. and that is not replicated at other places. You can feel it. You're right. And that is why they perform it's so well.
0: Feel. It is a feel. You're right? And side note, I saw this morning, I was watching the news, Chick-fil-A is going to, when earnings come out uh, for 2018, mm-hmm. as the third largest fast food provider and their number one product is the waffle fl- Waffle fries.
1: No doubt. Number
0: one sold is their waffle, or, or waffle fries. Um, I, I guess to put what you just said into layman's terms, I take it back to a, an occurrence that happened to me the, uh, the other night. I, uh, uh, I got home and I am making the, the transition from working to dad. Right. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes that transition is forced upon you in about seven seconds. (laughs) And and sometimes you have a little bit of time before that transition happens. And it really depends on how far into Toy Story my two year old is. I mean that's that's really where we're at.
1: Yeah.
0: Um fortunately on this day, or unfortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, he was nearing the end of his movie and I was not to interrupt him. I got the look from my wife. (laughs) Stay away. Go upstairs. Change clothes. You know, uh-huh. right? And, and so I did. And as I'm walking upstairs, a customer calls. Mm-hmm. I knew the phone number the minute I saw it, mm-hmm. and I knew it was going to be about a thirty minute conversation. Nothing was bad, but we had to sort through a couple issues, and time of time was of the essence. Every business will find a time like that when the your employee, every business owner will find a time where your employee makes that decision. I'm home, do I spend it with my family? Mm-hmm. Or I'm home, I'm going to answer this phone call. And I think a lot of that, that that split decision they make has a lot to do with culture. Mm-hmm. If they left their work in a good mood, um, they enjoyed their time there, and they're more apt to answer that phone call. If if, if culture's bad and it's exhausting and you leave work and you, you look at your phone and roll your eyes, I'll do it tomorrow morning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um Culture is what makes those decisions. I think.
1: Right, I I think that is a huge huge part of it. Um, I also think we owe it to ourselves to know when you answer that phone call and when you when you when it's not necessary. Right. And I think in the recent years I've learned that um, I've learned how to manage that better. Yeah. And I would tell you I would. Previous, previous life I would always pick up that phone doesn't matter where I was I would always do it and and since having left that mindset finding the real time to turn it off and be wholly present with where you are right. recharges you like most people wouldn't expect so there are always moments Always moments where you have a deadline to hit, you, you have something that you know a call's gonna come through, you have to answer it, and you do it. But that, that should not be your daily norm. You need to find ways to check out and recharge because that's what gets, like. if I'm gonna spend all night working, I don't want to come to work the next morning because when I'm there, I'm, I'm just burnt out. But
0: again, and that still goes back to culture. I mean, being able to say, you know what, tonight is about family dinner or tonight is about watching, you know, a movie with our son, my son or daughter or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Again, that bleeds into culture. The fact that you're not expected to answer your phone 24-7. The fact that you um, want to take that call when it's not interrupting with family or the fact that you're willing to come in to work a little bit early. Yep. All of that had, bleeds into culture, right?
1: Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't want to take up all day long with you. I know you're busy. Um, I, act, I try to ask most everyone who's on this podcast one question, and it's always the same. Um, and for you, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh-oh. But advice to the listeners. If you own a business, what's your, what, what, what advice would you give them? Number one, from a marketing perspective, you sit down with someone right now.
1: Oh, from a marketing perspective perspective oh god um honestly I would say stay true to yourself there are so many distractions what are your competitors doing what's the newest technology gadget what's the the new x y and z those are always going to be coming at you and they're going to influence what you think you should be doing and what you think you should say absorb it understand what you need to but make sure you know what your company is about and what you should be projecting into the world and stay true to it in every way shape and form
0: i love it i love it that's exactly where i expected you to go I can't thank you enough. It's great to catch up. We don't see each other often enough, so I appreciate your time. Um, again, if the listeners want to get in touch with you, uh, is there a good way to do that?
1: Yeah, yeah. You can shout me um, on LinkedIn's probably the easiest LinkedIn's way. Just great. send me a message on LinkedIn.
0: Perfect. Well, thanks so much, uh, everyone. Thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. Please listen, share, subscribe to the podcast. The more viewers it is, selfishly, it's better for me. So uh, please. Uh, Hit that subscribe button, and the podcast will find you each and every week. Hope all is well, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.